QP Nation. We are back. QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your host, Vince. It's been a long time coming, and we have a lot to get to. Why a pod today? Well, I shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step to. We're going to do a basketball pod today. I'm going to um, do a football pod later this evening, and then we'll be back on schedule coming Monday, straight to you, who questions Monday, and then football Friday. We have a ton to get to, and I'm going to give you the rundown, and then we're going to go on to the pod. First and foremost, we're going to talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards and what lofty situation he put himself in. We're also going to talk about Zion's outstanding performance and also what he's done this year and what the significance of that is. We're also going to visit Chris Paul. I have a little funny thing that I think that you guys will like. And then we're going to go to Indiana and talk about what's going on. There's a lot of turmoil in the coaching ranks over there. Bjorken or Bjorkren is not handling situations the best way. And there seems to be almost like a mutiny going on. So we'll hit that. And then we will hit the the Westbrook news. And then I have a radical season adjustment to the NBA. So that's where we're going with it. Man, I can't wait. I'm excited about what we're doing. And uh, we're going to get into the pod in a second. Let's tell you about what's been going on here at QP Sports Exchange and also Question Point Pot. One, we got new equipment. We got new setup. The setup is nice. Your boy got an awesome chair. So the office is in full effect. It's modest upgrades, but we are excited about them. The other thing that has happened is there'll be a new logo. So if you have been checking out Instagram and that is question point pod network, you know what the uh, other call signs are QPP network on Twitter, question point pie on Facebook. But yeah, I put some new logos up there. They look nice. Shout out to my girl, Sarah. She did an excellent job. Man, I'm so blessed. We're so blessed to be be able to do this. So excited. So there's been a lot of like corporate stuff going on of late. And um, there was some restructuring that had to be done. And um, with that, we just had to make some adjustments and um you know the corporate side kind of took me away from this side which is not ever where i want to be i would rather be on this side talking to you guys qp nation but we are back and i'm excited about that now let's tell you what's going on on the home front my mom had cancer skin cancer and they had to take a large chunk out of her head So now she has another hole in her head. You know, when your mom used to tell you, I'd rather, you know, rather that than a hole in the head. Well, she has another hole in her head. 
I was talking about creating a stadium out of it and putting lights on and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, um, you know, it's huge, but she's a trooper. She's hanging in there. Four foot 11 white lady doing her thing. You know, wife is doing okay. Still struggles with her health. Our guest is still at it. So mental health, still very important. Still going to be uh, pounding the table for that. And then um, that's pretty much it. We got a lot to get to, man. So without further ado, let's get to the pod. Okay, so we're going to hit you with some news and notes. First off, Minnesota first overall pick, Anthony Edwards, did something last night that was fantastic. He was just electric in his play. He uh, he scored 42 points overall. He saw, He shot 17 of 22 overall. In eight of nine from three land. Anthony Edwards joined Kevin Durant and LeBron James as the only rookies to score 40 points, grab five rebounds, and have five assists. His actual stat line was 42 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Not bad, Rook. Not bad at all. That's how you get it. That guy is just saying, listen, circumstances are dire. I don't need to go with them. Shout out to Chaplain Zimmerman. That dude is putting in work. So um, I don't know if my boy LaMelo can close the gap and go ahead and win that rookie of the year. I believe that he was and is the rookie of the year, regardless of missing the time with the broken wrist. But Anthony Edwards is closing fast, and he's doing some real big things up in Minnesota. And it's funny because all of a sudden, Anthony Edwards in Minnesota is the focal point of the offense. So little things to keep yourself like looking at as we go through these last six or seven games of the year is, you know, maybe your team is out of Minnesota. Maybe you are looking to see where you're going to land for your lottery pick, but there's some growth there. There's some things that you can look at and go, this is promising. You know, another piece with this, maybe some additions or some subtractions, and maybe, you know, we can compete a little bit next year. So 
It's good to see Anthony Edwards do his thing. It's good to see how um, how he's developing, how Minnesota is allowing him to develop. That's also very important. And it looks like they have a very dynamic scorer and somebody they can have for a long period of time. So I'm excited about that. Shout out to the T-Wolves and getting it done. And Edwards, we see you, player. See how you doing over there. Keep handling your business, bruh. Now we have a Zion stat. So Zion is averaging 27.1 points a game. He's also shooting over 60% from the field. That puts him in very rarefied air. The people that he joins on this list, okay? So, over 20 points a game and shooting over 60% from the field. That list includes himself, Zion Williamson. You have Kevin McHale of the Boston Celtics. He averaged 21.6, shooting over 60%. We got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the all-time leading scorer in the NBA at 24.8, when he shot over 60%. And Shaquille O'Neal, scoring 22.9 and shooting over 60%. So Zion is doing something that only the greats have been able to do, okay? If you're not familiar with Kevin McHale, youngsters out there, you go check out YouTube and put you in some Kevin McHale highlights. That dude was nasty on the post. Super nasty. Always was going to be able to get his shot. His little up and under deal that he used to shoot used to frustrate the hell out of me as a Laker fan. But as a basketball fan, it was dope. And he was scoring. And there was nothing you could do about it. And his footwork was tremendous. So, youngsters out there, I know y'all like to shoot the three. I know y'all like to do the dribble step back and sidestep and all that sort of thing. But if you 6'8", 6'9", bruh, you pop in some Kevin McHale tape and tell me that I don't get you another 10, 8 to 12 points a game. I'm telling you right now, that dude was a beast on the post. He could hit it from about 18 to 20 feet. Yo, he was a problem. And I did not like facing him at all as a Laker fan. So Zion, again, is doing just historic things. And I think what we need to come to realize is that Zion is that next big thing. You know, sometimes people don't live up to hype. Sometimes injuries derail promising careers. But I think now we can go ahead and collectively exhale and we can go ahead and start propping Zion Williamson up against the greats because that's where he's headed. 
27 points a game. And if you think about it, he's just over his rookie year as far as playing like a, a whole season. Okay. Um, he's got a new role where he's the point forward, where he is initiating a ton of offense and basically being the decider of whether he's going to go ahead and take his shot or pass it out to a teammate. I mean, this is this is becoming really ridiculous right now. And it's just he's going to get better. He's going to get better. He's starting to show signs on defense that is starting to click. Now, some of his running mates, on the other hand, not so much. But for him, his development, <laughs> we'll have to cut that out. For him and his development, Zion is looking really um, formidable. And it's going to be something where, you know, in a couple years, it will, the conversation will go from, He's ascending to can he lead his team to, you know, long playoff runs? You know, does he have enough talent? Is he talented enough to do it, you know, with one other guy? You know, will it take a, you know, a trade to to, to get Zion to, Long playoff runs. You know, these are things that now you got to start looking at because, unfortunately, for New Orleans, this is year two over. We're going into year three. And then now you start talking about the extensions. Oh, and by the way, with Zion averaging 27 points, he is flirting with all NBA. I've been listening to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people, and I'm gonna tell you right now, those last two forward spots for all NBA 13 are hotly contested. Some of the guys that are looking at that situation: Paul George, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson. Julius Randle. I mean, you know, these are dudes. And depending on, on where you put Jalen Brown as a forward or guard, because he might be having a more favorable time of getting in as a forward, you might put him in, in that mix. Because he ain't going to make it on the guard situation. Let me tell you, that guard situation... Is like 15 deep. Now we know like four of them, like real, real tough, real talk, right? We got Steph, right? You know that Dame is going to be in the mix somewhere. Luca is in the mix. You know, Chris Paul is going to be in the mix. I don't know if Chris Paul, Chris Paul will end up 13, but he will be all NBA. There's like four slots depending on how you rank them, where they're already taken. And then we haven't got to Bradley Bill. We haven't got to Russell Westbrook. 
which we'll talk about later. You know, um, God, there's so many guys. Trey Young, we haven't talked about him for all for all NBA. Um, there's a lot of guards out there. We haven't talked about Mike Conley. We haven't talked. We haven't talked about Donovan Mitchell. We haven't talked about who else is out there. We haven't talked about Kyrie. We haven't talked about James Harden. All those guys are battling for two spots. So Jalen Brown, as a Celtic, might be more interested in the forward slot because with all that, with all that firepower, all those all-star appearances, you know, my man is not going to make it to all NBA when it comes to the guard situation. It's just not going to happen. So hit me up on Twitter and Instagram and give me your all NBA forwards and guards. QPP Network on Twitter, Question Point Pod Network on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be interested to see what the audience and the listeners say about where they stack the all NBA teams and do you penalize Harden for the exit in Houston? I will give you my personal take on it. I would. Me, personally, I would. Now, I know that his situation wasn't good there. I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that when he got to Brooklyn, he was absolutely brilliant. His play was MVP caliber. I will not take that away from James Harden. He balled out. As soon as he got to Brooklyn, or if you want to put it this way, as soon as he got to where he he wanted to go, he was he was good. Not only was he good, he was great. So for me, that just tells me I didn't want to be there. I'm not going to put out a lot of effort till I'm till I'm gone. Somewhat understandable because you don't want to get hurt. But it was a bad look, James. I respect your game. I respect your talent. I think you are absolutely amazing. I just I just wish you would have handled it a little bit differently getting out of Houston, bro. And I believe for 100% that you would have made my all-NBA selection. I'm going to put my um my ballot together, and I'm going to put it on the website in the next couple of days, and I'll shoot it out on, uh, on social media to let you know where I stand. I think I might wait to the end of the year just because some of these races are so close. Um. But I'm pretty staunch on, unfortunately, Harden, for me, would be off my ballot. But I understand the people that would put him on because he was such a tremendous player this year. And like I said, if he didn't have the injury, he would be in the running for the MVP this year. And we can say that about a lot of guys, right? We can say that about Joel Embiid. We can say that about LeBron James. 
we might be able to say that about Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like we do not respect James Harden's game. We just we got to penalize for what we consider the faux pas leaving Houston. All right. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is this, is that uh, it just leads into Boston, right? So Boston has gone on a little mini run. Jason Tatum has looked outstanding. I mean, his last six games are incredible. Go look it up on Basketball Reference. There's a 60-point game in there. There's a bunch of 30s. He's just been balling out. He's been, like, dragging that team to the playoffs, and they're in peril right now because they might be in the the play-in tournament. But it got me thinking because the one thing that you see with them is a bunch of ISO. It's a bunch of ISO and um, not a lot of ball movement. So I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, we've seen um, we've seen the re kind of the resurgence of Chris Paul over the last couple of years. What he did in OKC last year was amazing, and then he followed it up with the year that he's having in Phoenix, right? So it got me thinking. It got me thinking creatively. So I'm going to take you on a little journey. Again, just think of late night infomercial type of situation or whatever. Um, Or on YouTube when they kind of pause your video that you're watching and they switch you to an infomercial. You know, you got to watch it for at least like 30 seconds or something before you skip the ad. But check this out. So Chris Paul comes up, you know, and he smiles. You know, he got the, you know, Madison Avenue deal going on, everything like that. It's just crazy. And he says, <laughs> it starts out with no ball movement, stagnant, stagnant ball movement. Heavy ISO, you know, balls getting dribbled off people's legs. So possessions that were absolutely fruitless. And then Chris Paul comes onto your screen and smiles and says, Are you tired of wasted possessions? Are you tired of End of end of shot clock, desperation heaves. With the Chris Paul method, you will no longer look like trash on offense. <laughs> oh man. Oh, <clears throat> uh. Oh man. So <laughs> there's more. I'm sorry. It just it, it struck me funny. Um you see this like uh 
in the infomercial with Chris Paul, like he gives you the spill about, you know, with the Chris Paul method, you get ball movement, you get heady plays, you get easy baskets. And then he gives you like a two minute basketball montage of his awesome passes, his picks that he sets where dudes are wide open, drinking cappuccinos, reading people magazine, and then taking the shot. <laughs> and then you get like and then you get like uh, a couple people you know how like on the infomercials they say you know they, they flash to a couple people they say I too did this method and I made like $65,000 on my first try right so you get like Shay Gilgis Alexander going man that Chris Paul method was awesome it turned me into like, you know, a dude that's gonna get like max contract. And then Devin Booker comes on, super excited, going, Look at us now. We're first in the West. And it's all due to the Chris Paul method. <laughs> Chris Paul method. Oh. The other thing that I kind of. I kind of tossed around in my head was Chris Paul kind of in that old TV show. You know that old TV show with David Carradine, Kung Fu, as Chris Paul walks down the, the dusty streets of the NBA looking for teams that he can help and teach them a lesson of offensive purity along the way. You know what I'm saying? I thought something like that as well. But Chris Paul has been amazing. Phoenix, shout out to the Phoenix Suns. We were hot on them early in the year. We thought they might be do something special. We didn't think it would be this special. But they're first in the West right now. It's crazy to me. They overtook Utah. And every time... Phoenix plays Utah. It's Chris Paul's personal mission to make Rudy Gobert, who's trying to be like the defensive player of the year, look as terrible as he possibly can. He puts Rudy Gobert in pick and roll situations and he hits him with that little 17 foot fall away jump shot and Gobert can't get to it. He has no answer for it. You know who needs the Chris Paul method? Boston. Boston needs the Chris Paul method. You imagine Chris Paul organizing Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum and getting the most out of Robert Williams, Time Lord. Shout out to Zach Lowe of the Low Post Podcast. That's what we call Robert Williams of the Celtics. He was late to his rookie press conference. See, we forget about these little things that pop up. You know, guy gets in the league, plays a couple years. You forget about little things like that. Like, like Time Lord just blowing off his rookie, you know, interview. You know, 
introductory to the team. Nah, cool, late. Couple other little pieces of news. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony. Number 10 all time in the NBA as far as scoring. He passed the great Elvin Hayes. Kids, if you do not know Elvin Hayes, YouTube that as well. But my man Carmelo, you know, he he really just turned it around. I mean, we people took shots at him in New York. You know, did you really want to win or was it just like, I just want to ball, get my stats and look awesome. But I'll tell you this, man, his perseverance is is so commendable. The kind of leadership and the kind of veteran presence that he's given the Trailblazers is amazing. And for him to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take up this backup role and I'm going to just be a star in my role. That's really hard for a superstar to do. That is really hard. It's very rare that you see it. Usually see it more in big guys, like big guys that were awesome and that were literally dominating the league. They're more flexible when it coming when it comes to being more of a role player in the later stages of their career. But if you get a wing or a guard, it's hard. Allen Iverson had a hard time with it. And you know how we love the Lions' heart of AI. AI was merciless and he was just fearless. But it was hard for him to take up like a, a secondary role, you know, play a role on a team instead of just being the guy. A lot of people have had that issue. You know, it takes a special individual to say, okay, I'm going to do this. D-Wade, towards the end of his career, he knew what was going down. You know? So it's real rare that you see an athlete like Carmelo do, you know, change up and do this. And I'm really happy to see it. It, it elongated his career. I think people are starting to have a better understanding of who Carmelo is. And I think that history will look fondly on Carmelo. History will look fondly on Carmelo. Now... Man, there's a there's a story out of Indianapolis that we need to get to. It's crazy. Um, and I don't even know where to start, but we'll just hit you with this. There seems to be some turmoil going on in in, in the Pacers organization. It stems to the coach, um, Eric Bjorkren. Um, he took over for Nate McMillan. Now, Nate McMillan had had a bunch of over 500 seasons, getting them to the playoffs, but they thought they wanted to change. Management said, listen, you know, we, we're we just bumping our head up against this 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 glass ceiling, and, and you know, we think we got to just go make a philosophical change. They did. 
they bought in Griorgren thinking, you know, better offensive sets, um, you know, more ball movement. It will create more flow. It will allow the offense to shine more and also not be as predictable or stagnant. The problem is, is that this guy is so I don't even know how you want to call it, but um, he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And when I say a lot of people, I mean a lot of people. Um, first, I want to shout out um, what's my man's name? Da, 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 da. Where is it? I'm shout out my dude who wrote this. So it's my man Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. I'm shouting him out right now. Jake Fisher just did an outstanding job. I I highly recommend for you to read the article because it will give you even background information on this guy, like in other in other positions. And um, but basically what's going on in Indianapolis one he's just rubbed people the wrong way he's very abrasive with his um, demeanor um several staffers not only in Indiana uh, but almost everywhere that he stopped along the way have have indeed said like listen his his demeanor is very abrasive um he has been known to be abrasive and also be a, a micromanager to like the nth degree, which, you know, when you're not allowing people to do their job, you know, I mean, definitely you can't have full autonomy, but, you know, to, to be on there every like waking move is just, that just seems crazy to me. Um, he actually stepped on toes of other head coaches that he was like an assistant under um, having like meetings without the head coach, having uh, organized practices without the head coach. I mean, these are things that are documented in this article. And like I said, go read this article. It's on Bleach Report. Jake Fisher did an excellent job. Um was pulling all this information together. So I just wanted to give him credit again. Um, a couple other things that they're saying is that, um, let's see. They're saying that, that he has, um, one of his assistants stepped down in February just because of the micromanaging. He is berated. Greg Foster, who's been a longtime assistant in Indiana. Um, so I, I that situation is tenuous. And we just saw Greg Foster do something completely out of his character in the last game that Indiana played, where he got into it with one of their big men, uh Goga uh Biazis, and they had to be separated. So I just think the pressure of just the grind of the season is getting to Greg Foster. And if your if your work environment is hostile and you feel like you're you're being braided all the time, I can understand why you might have a fuse that is quick. So it's it's ugly in in Indiana. And the thing that really really hits home is that Nate McMillan went 
and was on the staff with with uh, Coach Lloyd in Atlanta, and then that kind of felt went south. And now Nate McMillan has a team that is right now the fifth seed in the in the playoffs, and he has them playing defense. Now, albeit Atlanta got really healthy when Nate became the coach. Bogdan Bogdanovich hadn't played a lot. Um, but he also got the, you know, the DeAndre Hunter injury. So, I mean, he had that. I mean, really, you're adding, like, a Congo, um, who really hasn't really shown too much until lately. He's, you know, started scoring a little bit. But, you know, it was basically Bogdan Bogdanovich and Gallinari was hurt. So, he got those guys back, and they, you know, they took off. So, it's just one of those situations where you sit there and you go, okay, Nate McMillan can coach. And I think what people need to realize is like, maybe the adjustment isn't the adjustment. Maybe what it just needs to do is have a couple years to kind of organically grow and see what it turns into. Now, if Nate McMillan is winning 20 games a year, every year, and there's no, you know, there's no improvement in sight. Yeah. But this guy was making the playoffs every year. You know, um, and yeah, sometimes you can do that. Sometimes there's a Steve Kerr effect where Mark Jackson goes, Steve Kerr comes in, and they take off to an even higher level. But it's not. It That doesn't happen all the time. So your, your choice of imploding, playing game, your work atmosphere is just toxic beyond belief almost to a point where, you know, I don't even know, you know, thank God you had a little cushion because you wouldn't have made the play on the way you guys have been playing lately. And, you know, you got, oh, the other thing is TJ Warren, who was like the bubble sensation, right? He opted for surgery to end his year instead of playing for Bjorkian. So you take that for what it's worth. A player, a hooper, who was just taking off, who was just getting the national notoriety, you know, who had been a situation where he'd been a role player pretty much his whole career, started taking off, and he opted in for surgery to not play for this dude. You tell me. So we are also going to hit on one other subject. And then I have something big to tell you guys about in the sense of I made some, I don't even know how you want to put it. I'm trying to make the NBA season awesome. So I came up with a proposal. It's kind of crazy, but we're going to try it out and see 
if it's something that you guys can get down with. So we're going to go from there. Um, one other piece of news that I want to hit. Russell Westbrook is being balling out of control. And I want to hit you with this stat because I want people to really understand this. So first of all, shouts out to Chris Vernon and Kevin O. Kim Birch hater, also known as Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer. Chris Vernon, longtime sports radio host in Memphis. Awesome dude. They host the mismatch on the Ringer. And he had a stat, and I just wanted to bring it to you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy this. So the stat is this. If Russell Westbrook doesn't score a single point or grab a single rebound or dishes out a single assist for the rest of the season, he will still average a triple-double. I'll say that again. There's like six, seven games left. If he scores zero points, grabs zero rebounds, and has zero assists in the rest of the games. I mean, he plays and just runs around the court and just, I don't know, makes funny faces. He will still average a triple-double. That's how over he is as far as the numbers that he needs to go ahead and average the triple-double. So Russell Westbrook, again, shouts out to my boy from UCLA. Got to give it to him. Bruins all day, eight clap all day, but I just thought the stat was fascinating, and I thought it was super bizarre. And in this season where we've seen Steph Curry do amazing things, and we've seen Kevin Durant do great things, and Joel Embiid, and all these guys, you know, all these guys that, uh, you know, they there's just games where there's something remarkable that just happens. And Russell Westbrook, again, is just killing the game. And the game that he had the other night where he had 14 points, 21 rebounds, and 24 assists, that's just nuts. I, you can call it stat padding. You call it whatever. That's still hard because you know what? People got to make the bucket for him to have 24 assists. You know what I'm saying? So, I know Russ has his flaws. I know people, he has his detractors. But the feat of him averaging a triple-double again, when people had wrote him off and said, oh, this is the end of Westbrook and we're never going to see it again, you know, as far as his athleticism and his tenacity and all that, you wrote him off too quick. He's back, and he's going to average a triple-double, and that's amazing. All right, so now we're going to get to the main point of the podcast today. In my time away of um, getting stuff together in a sense of in the corporate structure, in the sense of kind of reorganization, the... 
somebody went past with a very loud vehicle and I hope they're super impressed with themselves. Anyways, um, in my time away, in my time of restructure, organization, restructure, logo, uh, you know, just being a mogul type dude, um, there was another thing that popped up. And the one thing I listened to podcasts and I was watching games and, you know, we're in that time of year where teams are tanking 100% of teams are resting players, right? Because you don't want them hurt before the playoffs. You are in a situation where um, there are teams that would rather play like be the sixth seed instead of the fifth seed. So let's go ahead and take some national televised games off or whatever the case may be. And what it just spoke to me is this, is that the regular season in the NBA does not matter. Now, do we enjoy it? Do we enjoy the skill level? Do we enjoy the the pressure moments that do come up that arise in the season? Well, you got 82 games. You would hope that, you know, one out of five wouldn't be bad anyway, right? Um, but it got me thinking, and it got me thinking about how could we make the season more, I guess, represented closer represented to what it's going to be in the playoffs maybe not to that extent and what i came up with is i have three points to make the nba season better and i hope that it's not too crazy for you guys but this is really something that i thought about this is something that i hope that uh gets you guys thinking out there and uh We'll, we'll, let's see what we can call it. Um, let's say hashtag NBA 2.0. Oh, no, can't do 2.0. How about, um, oh, no, we could do hashtag NBA 2.0, right? So we can do NBA and then point like, like two, the number two, and then point like the, the word point. Oh. So we'll we'll hashtag it NBA 2.0 and I'll give you my theories and I'll give you the pros. I'll give you the cons. I'll, I didn't just say, OK, I'm going to come up with these three things and there's nothing behind it. I'll give it all to you and then we'll go from there. Um, Again, I just want to say that I love the association and I believe that, you know, there's there's something magic magical. You can see almost every single night, you know, Russ Burke. Like I said, Westbrook is playing excellent. Steph Curry's had awesome games. Jason Tatum had a 60-point game not that long ago. We talked about the um we talked about the efforts of Anthony Edwards earlier in the podcast. Um, you know, LeBron has had some great games. Kevin Durant, James Harden, even oh, the Nets and the Bucks games over the last over the weekend were amazing. They were playoff basketball. It was execution. It was shot making. It was everything you could want in a regular season NBA game. And it was kind of like the tipping point of me putting pen to paper and coming up with these ways to make the regular season be more meaningful to fans 
um, to players and to organizations. So this is what I came up with. Now, like I said, these things are not... um, This is not... What am I trying to say? It's not obviously traditional or whatever the case may be, but I think that it's it's worthy of discussion and I think it's worthy of just consideration. So here are the here are the points. Number one, we go to a 64 game season with the scarce with the scarcity of games. It creates urgency for the players. Because of the fact that there's less of them and there's 18 less. So you missing 16 games with like a tweaked ankle or whatever could really cause your team to go into a tailspin. And here's the other thing. With 64 games, um, there are two things. Actually, let me give you to the cons first. Okay. The first thing the pushback is going to be is TV contracts, right? They're going to say, "How? wait, hold on. We give you all this money and we're losing 18 games. This doesn't sound fair. This is not great for us. Where is our economic benefit? We pay for live sporting events and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get it and I got fixes for it later, but just I'm just giving you the cons now. <clears throat> the... Here's the pros of it. It would discourage low managing. National TV games would be very important, right? And that means also the scarce, because there's 18 less games, that means that there are going to be, you know, national televised games. So that's, you know, a little scarcity when it comes to the actual local TV so it'll make it more like special when you see it on your, you know, you know, Spectrum LA channel for the Lakers or your route for Denver or your Bay Area, Fox Bay Area for the Golden State Warriors. So scarcity games will allow for people to want it more, supposedly. Now, also with this is that you would see like a change in the schedule. Maybe you play your the Western Conference more, um, and then you play like a division in the Eastern Conference, and then you just kind of cycle through every year. So if the Pacific Division was playing the Atlantic Division this year, next year they would play the Central Division, and then they'd play the Southeast Division the year after that or whatever the case may be. Everybody would get a chance at everybody, but then also you don't have the superstars of every single team coming to town every year. So now if you are in Boston and maybe it's not the Pacific Division situation, the only time that you would be able to see LeBron James and AD is if they made the finals. Or you wait to the year that they, you know, they come, right? This would, you know, it would be a change. But I think having more divisional games, 
more conference games and less of the um less of the uh you know the other conference games would be beneficial to a lot of people really would now the other thing that would happen is this is it it would be like a it would be a, a more of a novelty it would be a spectacle you know if you're not going to see Trey Young until the All-Star game or you know, till he comes to your town from two years because he's not going to make the finals for a little while. I mean, that's, it makes it special. It makes, you know, the time and then the kids get to see the, you know, here's this guy who's averaging like 27 points and he's doing his thing. So there are some pros to it as well. Now, here's the second thing that I came up with, and this is where it starts to get wacky. Keep in mind, 64 games, also, we'll give the players more rest, so hopefully no low-managing things of that nature. The other thing is this, is that you got, we're going to create a mid-season tournament, okay? Now, we're going to create a mid-season tournament, and we're going to turn it kind of like into WrestleMania or Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl. Where we're gonna take out like a you know, like a city. We're gonna say like Dallas, or we're gonna say like New York, or we're gonna say Vegas, or we're gonna say Atlanta or Miami or Los Angeles, and that city for two weeks is gonna be like the epicenter of basketball. So instead of having your All Star game, now you have this tournament. Well, what do you win, right? Because the players got to be in on all this, right? And you want them to play hard because that's the whole point is after the trades are done and everybody says, okay, this is a team. We're just kind of, you know, working out the, you know, the, the kinks and everything like that. You know, people kind of, you know, the effort kind of bogs down towards the middle of the season. So you have this tournament, mid-season tournament. And what it does is this, the winners of the midseason tournament would get the 15th pick in the draft. Okay, so you got your lottery, which are the 14 teams. So now the 15th pick will become like a compensation pick and it'll be a job well done for winning the midseason tournament. Now, if you are the runner-up team, you will get the 31st pick in the draft, which is the first pick in the second round, and then you still continue on with the draft. So, you have your lottery, right? Um, and then you would actually be the 32nd pick because how this is gonna work, right? So the first team, the first the first 14 picks are the lottery picks. Then you'd have the compensation pick for winning the midseason tournament. Then the rest of the draft would go on like normal. So whoever was the last team out of the plan. Whoever was the second runner-up, uh, last team out of the plan, they would get the 16th or 17th picks, and then we would just go by record, go all the way down to 31. That would be the end of the first round. The top of the second round would be 32. 
the per the team that won was the runner up would get the 32nd pick and then we would have the rest of the draft we would have 33 would be would end up being the first pick of the second round so you'd have comp picks at the in the middle of the first round and you'd have a comp pick at the top of the second round okay so this would give incentives to teams who are good to win this tournament because if you're always drafting 28th, 29th, you know, 26th, somewhere in there, you, the chances of you getting an impact guy, not great. But if you could win this tournament and know that you're going to get the 15th pick in the draft, that changes a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? Now you can continue to maybe, you know, maybe a dynasty that you really, really love. Like if you love the Golden State dynasty or you love the San Antonio dynasty or you love the Miami Heat dynasty, by getting the 15th pick, you might be able to extend that dynasty a little bit longer. Maybe you get an impact player or maybe you get a, a really high significant role player that will cut. So this would keep the interest. This would now allow the all-star game, which, you know, it's kind of a glorified scrimmage. It's more of a situation of, you know, who's going to be able to make cool dunks and shoot 40 footers and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. I love that stuff, but I like a little more intensity on the defensive end. If we could have competitive basketball and have something like on the line as a as high as a 15th pick overall as your reward for winning the midseason tournament. And then if you came in second, getting the 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 first pick of the second round, basically, you know, now you got some stakes. Now you got these guys into it, especially, you know, guys who are sitting there going like, yo, yo, we can use that pick. <laughs> you know, if you're Denver and you're sitting there. And you're like, hey, we got these guys on our team. They're awesome. But, man, we could use like a shot blocker or whatever it is to kind of complete the team, to round out the team. And now you don't have to use free agency to do it or whatever. I mean, or trade the pick or whatever. You'd have that capability because this is going to happen right before the trade deadline. So now you got the 15th pick in tow or the 32nd pick in tow. And you can use that as an asset to be able to facilitate anything you needed for the stretch run. Okay. Now, here are the cons to it. The players would say it's gimmicky. Okay. Um, it's closer to an AAU style or NCAA March Madness tournament. What's the in player? What's the player incentive? Well, I mean, if you can't build marketing into this, then shame on you, NBA. If you can't build corporate sponsors into a midseason tournament that's going to have a mid first round draft pick on the line for teams that would necessarily not necessarily have that chance, you know, or, you know, or here's the other thing. The other strategy is like, you know, imagine like a team that could double up somehow they get hot, you know, single game elimination type situation. They get hot and they, um, you know, now they have like the 15th and 12th pick in the draft or the 15th and 19th pick in the draft or whatever. I mean, that's this good draft capital, you know? So there's something in it for people. 
But as far as corporate sponsors, you should be able to make money. And here's the thing. Now you got more different type of television rights. And like I said, you can make it like into a convention. You can still do all the same things that you used to do for All-Star Game, have the parties a little bit, you know, have these games a little more spread out, whatever. It's single elimination, so we're going to have to get some of these teams down to what? So we got 30 teams, so we got to get it to, what, 16 or whatever. Same same situation. So, I mean, I just look at it like this is this is something they should do. They should just do this because this makes a lot of sense to me. It will give fans just incredible content. It'll give them incredible stakes. You're building drama into the season. You're also scratching that draft niche deal. You know, you just got, there's so many things. And you could put on, you know, um, you can put on little spectacles. You can have your three-point contest if you want. But I think the tournament itself would turn into something so cool that everybody would just enjoy it and everybody would get a lot out of it. And, you know, now you have something that's a little, gives you a little juice going into the second part of the year. We're going to also talk about the third thing. Now, so... We already have a playing tournament, right? We already have guys who are going to go 7 through 10 and play each other for the rights for the 7th and 8th overall slots to play in the playoffs. Could you imagine a tournament before the playing tournament or after or right after the playing tournament but right before the uh right before the playoffs start where your teams that do not qualify for the playoffs have a tournament, and that will select their placement in the draft. So keep in mind, you have the play-in tournament. Now, use the playoff start. No, I'm giving you more basketball. And you say, well, Vince, do I want to see bad teams play against each other? Yes, you do. And I'll tell you why. This is how we're going to do it. So instead of having a lottery, instead of having ping-pong balls decide the fate of these teams, we're going to have tiered kind of lottery repositional tournament. And now how it's going to work is this way. I got three levels. Okay. I have nine through 14 and I'll tell you how we'll get there in a second. I have five through eight and then I have one through four. Now the teams with the worst record can no end up no worse than fourth. Now, all those little lottery protections that you have in there, you can still work that because one, you can say top four protected or, you know, second tier protected or whatever the case may be. So you still work those trades in there for down the road. But how it will work is your nine team will play your 12 team. Your 10 team will play your 11 team. The winners, the winners of those would play 13 and 14. Okay. So let's let's do this again. The, the, the first tier we're going to deal with is the biggest tier. Kind of a playing tournament for the ninth pick in the draft. So keep in mind, we're playing in a sense for the best possible position we can get in the draft. Okay. 
So nine would play 12. 10 would play 11. The winner of 10 and 11 would play 13. The winner between 9 and 12 would play 14. Or 14 would get their choice of who was lowest. And then that's how it goes. So whoever ended up in that situation would be looking at a draft where you could end up ninth if you're 14th, right? So that's a big thing there. Now you can't get higher than that. So here's where now the worst teams still end up with the better picks in the draft. So if you are the last team not to make the plan tournament and you go from 14th to 9th, that could be a big difference for you as far as who's available, who's the opportunity to get, all that sort of thing. Okay? Now, 5 through 8 will work the same way. It'll be, okay, 8 plays 5, 6 plays 7, and the winner of that would guarantee themselves the fifth pick in the draft. Obviously, if you lost the championship game, you end up six, and then you have seven and eight. Then you have one through four, and one through four would be the same way. Now, also keep in mind, the teams that have the better records will also host these games, okay? There is the significance into not tanking. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to end up with the number one seed because I lost a bunch of games. I'm going to have ping pong balls all day long. And then all of a sudden, I got the number one pick. No, you are going to struggle, fight, claw, bite to get out of that last position and trying to move up and try to get yourself to fourth. If There's like a game or two separating you. And don't let you have like the tie break going into the last game of the season. You talking about drama? You talking about craziness going on? You imagine it's like I was the I had the worst record in the NBA going into the last week of the season, and now I'm number now I got the fourth worst, and that will solidify me having home field advantage for the number one pick overall. Cause that's what I'm talking about. So it's a structured tier. The four worst teams you can end up kind of in your draft slot or not. If you're four, you have opportunity to be one. If you're one, you have the opportunity to be four or somewhere in the middle. If you're five through eight, eight has a chance to be five. No better than that. Five has a chance to be eight. Sucks to be you. Six and seven can move up a couple slots, but hey, a couple slots here and there, depending on who's getting drafted and who the player's coming out. Because if you listen to everybody this year, top five is the best and then there's a significant drop-off from there. I think as we go on, we'll find out differently, but we'll see. But if that's the case, right, if you know for a fact that there is a difference between five and six, and you know that you want to be at five to at least get one of the dudes that's supposed to be the guy, then you would work real hard to position yourself to give yourself the best opportunity to do that, right? Just saying, just saying. So you'd have a playing turn. You have a playing tournament. You'd have a tournament for um, draft position. You can call it a draft placement tournament, whatever you want to call it. Call it draft placement tournament. So a, a DPT. And then the reason why I think it would work, but I'll give you the cons for it. There's a ceiling and a floor for everyone. No, yeah, uh, you know, you have no more um, barely lottery teams winning the ping pong ball game, you know what I'm saying? So there's there's that. 
Now, here's the cons. It's very unconventional. You know, this is de definitely outside the box thinking. And then anything that's different quickly gets dismissed. But I would like tell everybody pause. Everybody didn't like the Elon system in the in the All Star game, but last year everybody loved it. Everybody didn't like the playing game or playing tournament. You know, but look at what we're getting in the West. I mean, there could be a situation where C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard play Steph Curry in the first round of the playing tournament. I mean, there's so many things. The Lakers could end up in it. I mean, it'd just be wild with this playing tournament. So before we start saying, no, this doesn't work, that's uh, just dumb, let's, let's check it out first. Let's look at it and see if it has some merit. All right, here's some of the pros. No more tanking. Nobody wants to tank, not with stuff online. It keeps non-city, non-playoff cities engaged. You know what I'm saying? So if you're sitting there in March and your team is, you know, 20 games out or whatever, you know, they're barely hanging on to the, the playing tournament or whatever. At least now it's like, you know, that those guys are going to go out there and give max effort because they're like, well, hey, we might not be playoff bound, but I definitely want to try to end up being the fourth worst team in the league so I can get the, you know, home court advantage in this draft placement tournament, you know? I just think that's something that we should look at. I think it's something that has a lot of merit, and I believe in it, and it gives everybody something to play for. And just imagine the fan frenzy of kind of knowing how your, your team has your draft fate in their hands. And then on top of that, with all of that being said, there's more content for me. There's more content for QP Sports Exchange. You imagine our like breakdown the last four weeks of the season as we talk about playing tournament and then the draft placement tournament and how that affects the draft and who's gonna fall where and you know who has a good shot. Oh, gamblers, gambling, Vegas. I don't know, QP Nation. I don't know if it's too too quick, too fast for everybody, but you would then add so much enjoyment to the game. I think everything would matter. I think that the having less games would kind of spread out the spread out the game so as far as travel and what have you. And maybe like a two-week little sabbatical in the middle of the year. Yeah, you play a little bit more, you know, frequency or whatever. Maybe, maybe you do rest to do. I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. If your if your uh, lottery pick situation, do you want the extra pick or not? You know, if you don't care about it, then all right. But I'm sure the dudes that are at the end playing for it are going to be super excited about adding another you know, mid-round pick to their coffers to have for trade bait or be able to pick up a maybe halfway decent player. So it's just one of those situations where we are trying to do something different. So, again, we would cut the season down to 64 games, less games, more scarcity, more urgency 
And then we would have a middle of the season tournament that would provide drama as far as the winner of the tournament would get the 15th pick in the draft. It would be, you know, your compensation for winning the tournament. If you ended up a runner up, you would end up with the first pick in the second round, just like compensation picks in the NFL. And then the draft would presume or resume as it was constituted. So whoever was going to get the 15th pick would get the 16th pick, so on and so forth. And then, you know, if you had the worst record in basketball and you got the the first pick in the second round, instead of it being the 31st pick, it's the 32nd pick. So with that being said, that's my State of the Union and hope to help basketball NBA along the way. Now, I want to, before I go, I'm going to give some shouts out to the audience. Yo, we've blown up over the last half a month. Like, we are really going forward. We have darn near tripled the amount of downloads that we are getting through Spotify and Apple. So, shouts out to all the countries out there. You know who you are. Obviously, United States of America, great. India, awesome. France, great. Brazil, Argentina, doing well. I need the Orient to get involved. I am looking for Asia. I am looking for China and Japan. I know you guys like basketball there. Shouts out to my people in France. My UK people need to step it up. But the numbers are good. The numbers are growing. We can't be more excited about that. And I, when I say they've blown up, I mean... Like, I put out an Instagram post, like, earlier, like, last week, talking about congratulations to all the listeners and the viewers, about 5,000, and we closing in on 7,000. Like, it's remarkable to me. So, I'm so blessed. I feel so good about what we're doing as a community. So, QP Nation, keep on putting that hashtag in there, QP Nation. You know what I'm saying? So just shout out to, to the listeners. Continue to tell your friends to download and subscribe. Continue to tell them we are going to bring much heat and we are going to bring much focus to this podcast. And basketball, who questions Monday, will be back on Monday. We are going back to regular schedule. But I wanted to hit you with some love today. Tomorrow, there will be a football podcast because I am going to record it today after I get this one out. And we are getting back to regular schedule. So, man, there's a lot of great things going on. I will um, I will transcribe my thought process on these 
changes that we're making to the NBA onto the website. So you'll be able to go to questionpointpodnetwork.com and be able to see that. I will have that up within the next couple of days. Maybe I can coerce my wife to properly type this in with her editorial skills. And then we can slap some pictures up there and give you guys something to look at. I know it might have been confusing to listen to it, but you'll have some point of reference in on the website. So there is that. Again, I want to say thank you so much to everybody. We are so grateful for everything you guys are doing. Um, Just keep it up. And um, I'm going to leave you with this. Be kind to yourself. Take care of one another. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mental um, faculties. Give yourself a break. Do something special for yourself, whether it's read a book, listen to music, listen to my podcast. My hope is to listen to my podcast. Um, Then take care of your loved ones. You know, make sure they're appreciated. And then... Have a friendly word for your neighbor. If you can help them out, fantastic. And now that we're starting to open up, get involved in your community. Go seek out worthwhile organizations that are making a difference and trying to make this world a better place. You know that we're going to bring that every week. You know that's how we end the show. That's our call sign to end the show. So, again, to all the QP Nation out there, just thanks again. We are back. We are back with a vengeance. And we are now completely bouncing.